Welcome once again to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. Welcome everybody to the Propreneur Podcast. Again, thank you for being here. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And today we have a very special guest, Dr. Dan Bills with us. He's going to talk to us uh, about a lot of things, but also about the how to utilize technology inside of your orthodontic practice. Now, as a member of the Propreneur Podcast here and listening to it, you know that we are we love to bring you the best practices. It doesn't matter what type of practice you own, whether you're a chiropractor, a dentist, an orthodontist, a plastic surgeon. If you lead a group of people, it's important to understand the best practices so that you can do the best for not only your business, but also for your team. And I believe that Dan is an expert in this area. I've got to, I've had the privilege of listening to him to speak multiple times and to really get to know him and, and his philosophy. So it is an honor for me to have you here today, Dan. Thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Well, Dino, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. So for those of you that don't know Dr. Dan Bills, uh, Dan, give us a little bit of a background and introduction to yourself. Uh, you know, give us that, the, the cool intro, if you will. I don't know if I can give you a cool intro, but I can tell you a little bit about me. Um, so originally from Southern New Jersey, um, went to um, Lafayette College, small liberal arts school in, in Pennsylvania, then went to Harvard for dental school, went to Illinois for uh, orthodontics, um, and then returned to, uh, to my roots um, in Southern New Jersey, just outside of Philadelphia. Currently have three practice locations. Um, two of them were cold starts. Uh, one of them was a recent practice purchase. So we've kind of been through all iterations there. Um, I'm also, I do some teaching um, at the University of Pennsylvania. And also, as you mentioned, at uh, national meetings. At this point, I, I can say um, all over the world. So it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of been a fun, a fun uh, last four or five years from the teaching side. So we've got wet-fingered orthodontist, uh, loves technology, um, but also loves sharing those ideas and um, helping people implement those in, in their practice. And with that in mind, we also do an in-office course in our office where um, the last few years we've been bringing offices in, um, both doctors and team, to kind of see things and, and some of the technology that I'm sure we'll talk about in, in action. So, so, you're actually, so you're actually sharing, like you're not just going out talking about it, you're giving people an opportunity to come in and have firsthand experience inside of your practice to see how it works on a practical basis. Yeah. So as the AAO, probably about four years ago, um, I was there, gave a lecture that, that I really enjoyed. But what we found after is we were so overwhelmed with implementation questions because yeah. that was kind of a tipping point with a lot of the digital workflows and things that people were doing. And it was my COO who's been in the industry for a long time kind of gave me the ultimatum that I can't keep fielding all of these phone calls without giving people an opportunity to come see what we're doing because it's just impossible. You can only do so many screen shares, yeah. as you know, and try to explain things without showing people, um, you know, behind the curtain and, and how things work. Well, there's the difference of having that intellectual knowledge, right, and understanding it. Or uh, there's a, a saying by a gentleman named Brendan Burchard who talks about most people know, uh, understand. Uh, the, the common knowledge behind something, but it's the common practice that is the biggest challenge. Exactly. Like every single one of us knows if you want to lose weight, you just have to eat less and move more. Right. But <laughs> I'm still working on it. Yeah. Right. It's the practice behind it. It's the practice of it. It's like common knowledge, not common practice. So I love the fact that you give people the opportunity to come in. 
you, you can explain the power of a certain 3D scanner. You can explain, you know, how you actually take, how you greet people, if you will, all the way yeah. to the micro to the macro, but to actually get in the experience and see you do it, that allows them to go back to their office and say, oh, no, no, this is how we're going to do it. This is the yep. work. This is the, the guide. So I think that's super powerful. I think it's really uh, brave of you to do that. Thanks. No, it's been a lot of fun. That's cool. So tell us, um, I, I always love to know this. Why orthodontics? How'd you get into that world? Uh, it's a great question. Uh, like a lot of people just grew up with an aptitude for, for science and math and mm. Uh, went to college undecided, um, toyed with medical school for a little bit. Um, this was now the mid to late 90s. My uncle was uh, an orthopedic surgeon who was seeing kind of the influx of managed care and corporate medicine, a lot of the same stuff. They joked then that we might be 10 years behind. Now I'm thinking we're probably 20 years behind, but we're, we're seeing a lot of the same forces at play. Yeah. And he kind of said, you know, are you sure this is something you want to do? It's not what it was before. And knowing that I'm a family guy, that I enjoy being with my, my wife or, you know, or being with my family at the time, there wasn't my wife, but um, being with my family, going on vacation, um, enjoying a job, but also understanding that that doesn't necessarily totally define everything about who I am. Um, and also being my own boss. A lot of what you talk about all the time, I had that, that passion. Um, and I kind of saw that maybe medicine wasn't the, the route for me. Um, thought about, then I switched tracks and was going to get a PhD in biology and be a college professor, which when the business side of orthodontics stresses me out, that is the one thing I, I, Remember I that second time. guess. Yeah, well, I really am. The older I get, I am happiest when I'm talking to people like you, when I'm in front of an audience yep. teaching, when I'm reading, when I'm writing, when I'm preparing a lecture. Um, not that I don't love the orthodontic piece, but you know, teaching's just always been a lot of fun for me. So that was a draw. And then I had a teaching assistant that got into Penn Dental School, and I'd never thought about it, no dentist in the family. Um, and I'm kind of like, well, that sort of fits, and that might marry those two interests that I have. And um, always, I thought about a full-time academic career. Um, then I chose to go to a private practice dental school that I took out a ton of loans for and realized that the academic career might not be where I wanted to go um, or could afford to go. And then I just found a way to merge kind of the, the two and love private practice. I have strive every day to become a better business leader. That's my passion now. And that's why, you know, you and I know each other and, and you know, I'm always trying to work with consultants and, and business leaders and people that know human relationships a lot better than I do. And, um, but orthodontics has just been an amazing merger of all of these different passions that, that I have. So I, when I look back, I joke that, yeah, the college professor thing might be nice, but, um, I wouldn't change a thing to be honest with you. Well, I think it's interesting that you, um, the, the path you took, I, I think often you do hear doctors or whatever the profession is, especially I think in the ortho, the dental world of, oh yeah, my dad was one or my grandfather was, or my mother was, and you have this generational thing, or you have the exact opposite. Like, yeah, I never even thought about this. Actually, there's yep. a third one too. The second one is I've never even thought about this before. And then I got into school and I saw, oh, this, this seems like a, a natural path. The third one yep. is, is I had some type of experience, right? I had my yep. jaw broken when I was a kid and teeth knocked out and the dentist saved my, saved my face. Like there's usually that. So I yep. love that story of just finding your natural path of what you felt fit well with you. Mm -hmm. I also think what's interesting is there is that teacher side of you 
who loves to um, to share. I'm going to guess. I now I, full disclosure. I've never been in your office to see you do this, but I'm going to guess. I already know that you are a teacher to those patients. You teach them more than you just work on them. You teach them why the oral care is important, why you're doing what you're doing, and then also with your team as well. I'll bet you do that. I try my best. <laughs> yeah, I, I would not be yeah. surprised. But yeah. I think that when we, so we talk about, the, I talk about often different learning styles and having to teach mm-hmm. in different ways, you know, so people can feel it or hear it or touch it or the data. For me, my biggest learning style is teaching. I, mm-hmm. I learn the most after I have realized something, uh, went to a lecture, had a, a mastermind with someone, and then I, as fast as I can, go out and teach that principle because yep. then I really get it and it becomes yep. more clear to me. So I, I bet you're similar in that way too. Yep. So talk to me about how technology has taught you because you're really, what, what I love about the things that you've done, now you have your, your orthodontic office called uh, iOrthodontics, right? Uh, innovative Orthodontics. Innovative Orthodontics, but it's the yep. i. The website is iOrtho.com. There you go, yeah. So yeah. that, um, yeah, you have to be a student of technology if you're going to be so bold to say you're innovative. <laughs> you do. I, I guess you do. Yeah. I don't think I put that much thought into it at the time. Bill's <laughs> orthodontics just didn't sound like, when you have two last names, it doesn't really work. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Bill's orthodontics. I think I pulled out a thesaurus and innovative just stuck with me, but wow. you can give me all the credit you want. Okay. I, all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, but here's the deal is that when I've seen you lecture before too, the things that you do match the name, like you try and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? It's like, okay, mm-hmm. if you did just make it that simple as open up at the source and find the name innovative, you are now doing the innovative thing, right? We try. Yeah, yeah. I think so. I think so, so talk to us about how technology has taught you because as a yeah. Student, well, I think a lot of it, and this is one of the things that I, I enjoy going to, a lot of different orthodontic lectures. When I go to meetings, I don't just go to my own lecture and, and then leave. I stay and I learn. And Love it. there's a lot of people out there that are on the cutting edge of creating new technologies. And, and I, I have a lot, of, uh, a lot of appreciation for what they do. And, and I, I'm the, in the front row at their lectures, you know, guys like Jason Cope and Brandon Owen and, and people that are, that are coming up with all of these phenomenal technologies. They're inventors as much right. as they are orthodontists. Um, I'm not that guy. I am more about how to take a technology and systematize it and make it improve patient experience. And when I look at technologies, I, one, I like shiny new toys, just like everybody else. I'd love to lie to you and say that when I go to the AAO exhibit floor, I don't want to buy everything on the floor because I usually do. (laughs) But I stop myself and I take a step back and I say, how is this technology going to improve my patient experience. Um, And if it doesn't, then it can be something that I can say my inner nerd loves that, but I'm going to pass because I, I, it might convolute my systems. It might confuse my staff. It might be cool to me, but it might not really have the impact on the patient experience and, you know, the, which is really what we're going for in, in today's competitive marketplace. So, you know, something like 3D scanning, for example, which is something I'm really passionate about and that digital workflow, 
I jumped on board with that very early. Things like eliminating impressions, uh, decreasing visits, getting rid of, um, you know, having to fit bands and then take impressions. Um, we're at the point now where we're starting to utilize 3D metal printed appliances where we're starting to eliminate separators, you know, things that we thought we could never get rid of now because of, of 3D metal printing, we can eliminate that. Um, but something like 3D printing in the office and doing in-house aligners and that sort of thing, I think it's cool and I love it. And I love guys like Jason Cope and, and some of the names I mentioned before that are doing that and they're teaching that. But for me, it doesn't right now fit into my workflow and I'm not so sure my patients would feel the benefit of that to them. You know, it, that's more about our side and maybe saving costs, um, but also maybe for me spending more time in the office or more time in the lab or more time training staff about things that, you know, quite frankly, right now is not where my, my passion lies. So, you know, I so far have not moved forward with that technology. So it's not about, you know, gimme, 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 gimme everything new that's out there. It's about taking a step back, looking at the patient experience, looking at our workflows and saying, okay, this technology is for me. This one I think is cool, but maybe I'm going to wait a little bit on it. Well, I think that's one of the harder parts for a lot of doctors, especially doctors that end up um, struggling, if you will, or they're, they're, they're floundering a little bit, is that they think that this new, cool, shiny object, this new technology is going to be the thing that actually changes everything for them. Mm -hmm. And they don't always think it all the way through. They don't think of the plan. There's a great uh, book called The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham that he talks about too many business owners don't sit back and just think in their business. Like literally spend every day, 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, just thinking about the business as opposed yep. to going to work in the business. And how could this thing go badly? How could this thing go well? If it goes badly, can I survive the bad? Right. So yep. I think it's, it's very important for you. Uh, I'm the same way, right? I, I love technology. Shannon was just teasing on me last night because I was <laughs> like, well, we could go to Best Buy and go Christmas shopping. And she's like, uh, <laughs> no, there's no need for that right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, but to be able to pull back and go, how is this going to, what I think is important about what you said, and I hope people heard this is, you were more focused on how is this going to affect the patient experience, not as much as how is this going to affect me as a business owner. And right. I think if we think that first, how is it going to affect the patients? How is it going to affect our team? And then how is it going to affect me as a business owner? That's a really powerful and, and I think uh, healthy way to think about mm -hmm. it. So go ahead. No, no, that kind of follows through with a lot of, you know, that start with why principle that I know yeah. that Simon Sinek principle that's very, you know, hot right now. And that's a book that resonated with me when it first came out. And it's nice to see it gaining the traction that it deserves. Mm -hmm. But it's the whole thing. Why are we doing this? Is it so that I could have more fun? Or is it so that my patients could have a better experience and maybe my business can be a little bit more um, successful, you know, and I can maybe find some work-life balance, which is important to me. Well, do you have an example of a time where you let the, the trap of technology um, kind of mess you up a little bit? Um, I think I've avoided it pretty, pretty well. Oh, um, you know, I'm very pragmatic about, you know, the, the, everything from the brackets that we use and, you know, I'm a big self-ligation guy, but I don't jump into every new, you know, invention that, that comes out there. Um, I think the big thing for me would be when 3D printers first came out, I needed one. 
Um, and I just said, okay, you know, I got to get one. And I started talking to my team about it. And then they said, well, wait a minute, you know, right now we're working with a lab that's using laser welding to make appliances on prints. We don't have a laser welder. Then I'm like, okay, so maybe that is not going to work. And then to do that, I'd have to go back to maybe some more archaic principles that I wasn't using. Um, and we avoided it. Um, I hope it's not laziness, to be honest with you. Sometimes, you know, I watch <laughs> some friends of mine that are on the bleeding edge and I'm kind of like, eh, you know, I'll, I'll let them figure it out. And once they work out the kinks, you know, I'll, uh, I'll jump in and, and find some, you know, I call it, you know, poor man's or dumb man's technology sometimes where my job is to help people figure out a way to keep it simple um, yeah. because I you know, am not the one that's going to be out there inventing the, the next great orthodontic technology. Well, you mentioned a word earlier that I, I hope people uh, glean to, which was the systematization, like to mm -hmm. system. How do I systematize that? How do I take this 3D printer? How do I, because I remember having a conversation with a doctor a few years ago and, you know, they had this amazing printer and they just, uh, not printer, sorry, scanner, and they hardly ever use it. I'm like, well, mm -hmm. why are you not using it? Well, you know, it's just come, it's a, it's a difficult learning curve and blah, 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 all sort of stuff. And I'm thinking, wow, like you didn't think this through about how to <laughs> right. something. What, what, is there something that you are the most proud of when it comes to finding something and being able to systematize it to make your life easier, patient's yeah. life easier? I think the scanner again would be a great example. Like, okay. like you just mentioned, um, you know, thinking about, the workflow. So four years ago, God, but at this point it's probably five or six years ago when I got my first scanner, um, I wanted to use it for everything, but it was that pragmatic, and which at that point I probably would have been confused and my staff wouldn't have liked it and we would have just backed off. Mm. So maybe it would have ended up, you know, dusty in the, in the closet, like so many other things that, sure. that we see in orthodontist offices. Um, for me, I said, okay, let's start with, um, we're going to start with retainers because that seems to be the simplest one, right? Then we're going to move into um, banded appliances. Um, and once we got past, okay, how do we scan? Um, how do we use it? Uh, can my team scan in five minutes or less? Now, most of them are two minutes or less with the older technology. You know, we had uh, metrics that we wanted them to hit. Once we had the system in place for study models, then we moved to the system for um, aligners. Then we moved to the system for retainers. Then maybe six to 12 months later, we moved into banded appliances. So at that point, we laid the foundation. We laid the uh, comfort level for my team, the buy-in, you know, where at first they were very vulnerable. And, you know, we've got these these new machines that people were so used to using Alginate. And um, if I had thrown it all at them at once, it might've been a problem. But the fact that we did right. it in a streamlined fashion and that I, I educated them. I, I have, you know, we had at the time it was on paper, um, you know, ma procedure manuals. Now we're moving to video training um, for our team. So, you know, it's those sorts of things that now anytime something new is introduced, I, you know, get on my computer with my camera like I am with you and I record it or put it in a keynote and, you know, we can use a, a program called Trainual to, uh, to make sure it's accessible to all of our team. So, you know, it's, it's just, good that's, that's no i think that's awesome i'm so glad yeah. you said that i haven't had a single person talk about this yet that i here we are talking about technology and it's not like you know video cameras are new it's not like your cell phone camera is new right and it's, okay it's new within the last say decade but still what an easy and effective and repeatable and clear way 
to get across the training that you want to get across, right? I read something in a book or in a manual. I'm interpreting, I'm interpreting that three ways to Sunday, right? Because yep. it's, it's me and there's a filter that I have. And yeah, I didn't yep. know if you meant it this way or that way. But with the video, you can actually hear, see the person. You can have them walk through. Um, I am a huge fan of recording. I think it's one of the most underutilized tools in, in yeah. any practice whatsoever. From how do we answer phone calls to how do we you know, walk somebody back? How do we do a tour? How do we uh, do a placement? Whatever it is, it's so vital. And I'm so glad that you're using that. Uh, Trainial is a great source. Is are there any other sources that you've used for the recording process? The recording process itself, um, I, I've been using Soapbox for years. Um, I've also heard great things about Loom, which I know integrates directly with Trainial, but I haven't I haven't utilized it yet. So Soapbox, we've been using Wistia. Um, to host our videos since they started probably five years ago, nice. back before anybody had the ability to take video and have it play on multiple devices. Um, now that's commonplace, but you know, and and probably I don't know seven, eight, nine years ago when Wistia first came out, that wasn't available. And then Soapbox is just there. They have a free version that I think is phenomenal. We pay for the pro version, which is not that expensive, so I can actually download the videos and use them as I see fit. Sure. Do you do the uh, GoPro on the head thing for your treatment? I don't. We've toyed around with putting it. We still, we have lamps. We have lights yeah. over, LED lights over, yeah. and I've toyed around with mounting one to those. Problem is with three locations um, and, you know, five to, to eight chairs in each one, that can get a little expensive. Yeah. Um, so usually we're just using an iPhone, to be honest with you. Isn't that crazy? Um, especially the it's new iPhone. iPhone. The camera's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, technology is great. So how else have you felt that technology has helped propel your practice forward and really help you find that success that you're having right now? Yeah, well, I think we hit on something cool. And if we're just going to riff with it for a minute, yeah. that one of the, the reason I started using Soapbox um, was I found that one of the biggest bottlenecks in my practice was playing phone tag with dentists and with patients. Mm -hmm. I can't stand it. And, and that's kind of how my brain works. I look at problems and then I say, okay, let's focus on this problem that's causing me to be distracted, not be in the clinic, be hiding in my office on the phone, or doing stuff at night, talking to dentists when I want to be playing with my, my beautiful five-year-old. Sure. And it was that phone tag. So it was about three years ago. I said, okay, I have to figure out a way to streamline this. Um, so Soapbox comes out, and it's a way to record my screen and my face, um, and then in real time... I could review something like uh, an Invisalign ClinCheck um, with a patient or a dentist. I could have Dolphin opened up on my screen and click through images, look at pans, um, and you know, give them what my thoughts are on the case. And then now we've got te uh, two-way texting technologies where I can just text that HIPAA-compliant link to a patient um, or a doctor. They can click on that. And 99% of the time, especially with the GPs, all I get is sounds good, yeah. you know, and that game of phone Thanks. tag, I'm reviewing the records anyway. It's a Google Chrome plugin. So there's no extra software. It's living on my, my Chrome browser. My MacBook has a built-in camera and a built-in microphone. Mm -hmm. So you don't need any extra hardware. Um, that's been huge. And quite frankly, it separates us because people think it's this, you know, mm -hmm. I'm spending so much extra time yeah. when in all reality, it's probably making my life simpler, the patient's life simpler and the, the GP's life simpler that I'm communicating with. All right. So how do you integrate that? I got to ask this question then, because it yeah. just came up in my head. Do you integrate that in with the, the letters? 
So our letters. You know what I mean by the letters, right? You're giving away all my secrets. So yeah, the letters are auto-generated through Dolphin. I have not. That's not possible. No, that's not possible. You have to personally write every letter and spend your Saturdays doing that. I have not written a letter to a GP in probably 10 years. Yeah. (laughs) They are all auto. Now, mind you, my COO is a former trainer for Dolphin. So, I mean, she went in when she started with us. And everything is, is very, very, very dialed in as far as the personalization and the detail that goes into those letters, you know, digital signatures, all that stuff. But the videos are more, I'm at the point, I tell myself every year, this is the year that every consult, I'm going to do a quick one minute, you know, video to send to the GP. I haven't gotten there yet. Um, so I got to be brutally honest. I think it's there. Figure up if I'm doing if I'm doing eight to ten consults a day, that's ten to fifteen minutes of my life that I think could be enormous. Yeah. Um, maybe twenty twenty is the year, but um, for now, it's any case that I would get on the phone and call somebody about. I'm now doing this instead, and I polled all of my GPs, all but one out of like you know the sixty or seventy people that um, we sent a survey to said they would actually prefer this to a phone call. Of course. Um, and then of course I say, if you need me, just give me a shout. And they've got yeah. my personal cell that I'm texting it from. So, you know, it's, it's pretty nice. Well, it makes sense, right? I, I, I know that I'm that way. I know I, I wouldn't be surprised if you are. I'm, most people listening to this would much prefer somebody just to send them a video of what they're trying to say or the quick, you know, uh, I use Marco Polo in my business all the time. It's a okay. quick app that basically is like a text, but it's a video text with my team. Because that's cool. It, it just makes it so much faster. I'm going to write that down. Marco, oh, Marco Polo. Polo is a lifesaver. Uh, I have everybody on my team has it and I can get connected with anybody at any time just by throwing my phone up. I walk through airports, I'm on planes and I'll yep. just say, Hey, I don't forget about doing this thing at that thing. Remind me about that. And now it's a bad archival thing, but if you just yep. need a quick text back and forth, that's not a text. It's great. Yep. So cool. I, I, I think anything we can use technology wise to help, their lives too, because what you're doing is you're helping that doctor not have to go, Oh, I got to get on a phone call. And, you know, look, we're human beings. We like to connect with one another. And you've been on many phone calls, I'm sure where it was supposed to be a five minute quick talk. And 30 <laughs> minutes later, you're having a still conversation with him going like, man, I got to get going. Yep. So yep. that happens all the time. So soapbox is a great one. Any other like pieces of technology that you just love that you think that doctors are missing out on? Yeah, I think following up on that piece is the the two-way texting piece. And that's probably my biggest passion is finding the studies are clear at this point. I've been analyzing this data now for, for you know half a decade. Um, the data are very clear. People today communicate differently than we did even five years ago. And yeah. you know, we talk about millennials and they often get a bad rap, but the reality is they're now not only past orthodontic age, they're the parents they're the moms. Of, our ne- yep. of our next wave of patients. Yep. And whether we like it or not, and I've gotten very good at not judging where it's not about what I think, you know, I don't personally, I would rather talk to somebody face to face. Um, you know, we're trying to raise a relatively technology free daughter, like all that stuff. Mm-hmm. None of that matters as an orthodontic business owner. All that matters is how our patients want to communicate with us. So we found very early, you know, if you read it all, and I know you read more than probably anybody I know, um, that this generation not only would prefer to talk to us that way, but some of them might think we're intruding on their lives by calling their phone, you know? And when I first heard that, I'm thinking that's crazy. 
And then, you know, what do I think when my father calls me at three o'clock in the afternoon on a Wednesday when he knows I'm seeing patients? Like, Dad, why didn't you just text me? You know, right. I, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm that, I'm now that person. Yep. So we have great software. We utilize Weave, who I'm a big fan of. And I should, since we're talking about companies, I have no financial interest in any of the companies I yeah. just mentioned. Um, that's really important in today's world. Um, and I think it's also super valuable to understand, like this is a, a, a commission-free conversation, right? Yes, in the sense of, yeah, it's like, that's the point of this is to say, hey, you guys, this is going to help your life so much more. Yep. So we're a big fan of Weave. Um, we have, they integrate with our practice management software. It's a voice over IP phone system. But for the purposes of this discussion, the two-way texting is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, where it's all integrated, the phone numbers are in there. We can communicate with them in the way that they communicate in every other aspect of their life. You mentioned before the archival ability, you know, that's all archived. Um, you want to know, did Mrs. Jones really say that when she right. called? And I can look and I can see the entire, it's like recording a phone call only in, in text format. So it's, uh, it's been awesome for us. They now can do videos and photos, which is great. Somebody's got a pokey wire and appliance out. Um, you know, they can text in a picture and, and our yeah. clinical coordinators can communicate with them. It's, it's been fun. Wow. I love that. I love that. I wonder, do you, um, this is not a modern technology, but I also find it fascinating for doctors who aren't using it on a more, uh, regular basis. Do you, do you take pictures or photos at every appointment? It's like you knew where my brain was going. Yeah. Oh, really? um, every, every single appointment. And we have since we started the practice. Well, it's um, because you said just a moment ago, like we can actually show to mom and dad, like, Oh no, this is what they actually did say. This is what we actually did say. That immediately made me think about photos because photo yep. evidence is huge through a treatment. Yep. So, so my practice was started in 2008. Mm -hmm. um, so I know a lot of people are lecturing about this now and um, now that digital technology has gotten better and storage capacities have gotten greater, that it's becoming a little more in vogue. I am very proud to say that for all 11 years of my practice, every single visit for every single patient so we've smart. got. Um, we've got documented. So from a teaching perspective, it's amazing. So you've seen some of my practice management marketing lectures. I do a lot of clinical lectures as well mm. um, to be able to show somebody every single appointment and not just what you did, but here you go, you know, here's what happened. So it's at a cost. And this is that whole workflow systematization thing that we talked about before. We have to add an extra three to five minutes into every appointment sure. um, in order to do that. And I've had consultants tell me to stop, especially in the early days, like you don't need to do that. Now I think people are catching on because um, well, you can take a 20 minute appointment and make it 15. And, you know, for me, that just wasn't something I was willing to give up. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. Well, what's valuable about that, I hope people really understand this, is that, yep, you could. You could totally take away those three minutes on an appointment. But when you factor in the 30 to 40 to 50 to multiple appointments of a parent being upset or not understanding or being confused or saying that you said something you didn't say, that not just the time, like the physical time, but the energy suck of mm -hmm. that from you as a practitioner is huge. Yep. So the ROI and be able to add something like this is, is, is great. Um, yep, no holy moly. We could talk about stuff like this forever. I swear. <laughs> I love, I love this stuff. I love technology. I love, I love somebody who is um, forward thinking enough to realize that I don't know it all, first of all, and that it is an evolutionary, uh, evolutionary process. I often talk about the evolution of a practice and how um, if you are not 
going to be a part of the evolution of a practice, you are relegated to being a part of its history. Mm -hmm. and, no doubt. and you have to be willing to do that. So you've really been on the forefront of that. I know you're going out there and lecturing and, and helping people understand more and more about that. Uh, we've come to a part in the show where I do a rapid fire kind of questionnaire uh, for you and for what you're doing. Your okay. Practice. Are you willing to All play? Right. Uh, I don't think I have a choice. So <laughs> sure, you could say no. Uh, <laughs> so it's basically a rapid fire question and you rapid fire back to me. Uh, okay. what, what do you think is the, out of all the things you've seen, because you get to lecture all over the world, like you said, what do you think is the most expensive thing that private practice owners are missing in their practice? It's a good question. Um, I think it's going to sound really strange considering we just talked about things and technology and, and equipment and that sort of thing. I think the most expensive thing to be missing is an effective practice culture um, that uh, the, the missed opportunity costs of not, you know, having a toxic culture or more importantly, I talk to people like, I don't even think I have a culture. Yeah. And I say to them, well, that's your culture. Yeah. Your culture is the fact that you have no culture, which probably is more toxic than, than most other cultures. So yep. uh, to me, that's been, and again, I'm very hypercritical of myself. If I look back on the first seven, eight years of my career, I think about the opportunity costs of not having that piece dialed in as well as we do today. Um, you know, that's, probably lost a, a lot of business. Yeah, it's so important. And you're absolutely right. I always tell people, make no mistake, you have a culture. Everybody has a culture. <laughs> yeah. Either you've designed it or you've relegated, but you have one, right? Or somebody in your practice is controlling that culture. And usually it's the highest energy, which that yep. highest energy could be the most complaining, the most whiny, the most Debbie Downer, right? So, <laughs> right. All right, right. So what is a book that you believe every private practice owner should read? Easy for me. Um, I am obsessed with Brene Brown. I think she's my soulmate. Um, nice. I tell my wife in the least creepy way possible. I've uh, never met her. Uh, I plan on going through her leadership training whenever I get off the wait list. Um, so Dare to Lead, um, her, her most recent book is definitely, I would put on everybody's must read. Great, book. great read, right? I, I'm a, I know you've seen the Netflix special then. Yes. Yeah. Like, yes. That's no, she's, great. She's incredible. Really, really good stuff. So speaking of culture, right, you know that in my book, The Practice Rx, I talk about, I focus a lot on team culture and team performance. And as you, I'm going to kind of tweak the question a little bit, because as you've seen a lot of doctors coming to you and inside your practice, what do you see is their biggest challenge and maybe even disconnect when they come and see what you've been able to create versus what they're trying to do in their practice? Um, I think maybe the disconnect would be assuming that there's one right answer. There's one right way to lead a team. Um, you know, I've been in people's offices and I watch them and just they're, you know, talk about a crazy extrovert, right? Somebody that is just, I assume you're a very extroverted person, you know, having known you. I can't lead the same way that you lead. I am a very introverted person. Um, you know, I have to, it took me years to get comfortable with who I was and learn how to lead as me and not like Dino or, or somebody that, you know, has a different personality type than I do. So it may be stop, the advice would be stop mimicking what other people are doing, do some education, you know, take some courses, read some books, visit, um, you know, go to some training seminars and figure out who you are and how you need to, to, to be effective as a leader. I love that. And I'm going to add to that. Um, if anybody's listening to this and you have a consultant, that tells you this map is the map that's going to change things for you, right? They come to your office, say, no, I have the map. I have the way, you know, that, to me, that's a huge red flag because it's their map. It's what worked out well for them. 
You've got to take what they can do and glean from that. That's great. Learn some stuff, but really personalize it because if not, it'll never feel authentic. And I love that. No, you no, said no. That's so important. Before we get to the last two questions, how can people reach, reach out to you and, and connect with you? Um, emails usually best. It's Dan at iortho.com. Dan at iortho.com. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes as well on that. Perfect. This is a tougher question I know, and it's, it's very broad, but when it comes to life and business, what do you think, what, what do you feel is the best advice you've ever received? That's a great question. <laughs> These are good. You're making yeah. me think. Um, I'm going to give a, a Simon Sinek quote here that, that people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. So um, I think is just phenomenal advice. And, you know, we had that uh, coming of age moment a few years ago when I read that book where we realized we were just going about things all wrong. We were trying to convince people that we were better, faster, kinder, you know, more efficient, whatever. We're really, now we focus on things like, you know, the confidence that we can give to them or their children and, and you know, kind of shifted our, our whole framework of thinking. So that's, that was some phenomenal advice for me. Nice. Made it about them, not about you. Yep. That's, that's so powerful. Yeah, exactly. So is there a resource or a tool that you believe every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice? Um, I think a lot of it is we're all kind of in our own little box, right? We, we have our own four walls of our office or, uh, you know, our, our homes or our circle of friends, whatever that is. Expand that box a little bit. Get out there. For me, I try to visit at least one or two orthodontic offices a year. You know, I love going to big meetings. Um, but I also love going to in-office courses or calling up a friend um, that I met at a meeting or somebody I knew from residency and saying, hey, can I come spend a couple of days with you in the office and really get a feel for uh, the nuances of what makes them and their practice tick? And, and I found that I picked up probably more pearls at in-office courses and those sorts of experiences than I, than I usually do at a, at a traditional lecture because I can see it in action and you know, really see how it, how it happens, how it comes together. Totally. You get to have that experiential focus and time with each person. I think that's, that's great. That's great advice. Yeah. Well, Dan, like I said, I, I could talk to you for hours on this stuff. I love it. I love the technology side of things, the culture that you've built in your office. You've really shown some best practices and I hope everybody listening would even just take, take one piece of advice, whether it be the soapbox, whether it be just understanding how to utilize technology inside your practice, whether it be about thinking about it and system, systematically thinking, okay, how is this going to actually improve my office, not just add more stuff for us to do? Yep. It's so powerful. Thank you so much for, for sharing your voice and being willing to uh, just, just be a leader at whatever you think that looks like inside of your industry <laughs> and outside. Yeah, Dino, thank you so much for having me. This was, uh, this was awesome. Yeah, great. Well, everybody, thank you again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. If you haven't subscribed, make sure that you do subscribe. And if you do have a friend or a colleague that you think could benefit from great experiences that you just heard today with Dr. Bills or any of the other podcasts, please make sure to share that with them and spread the word about the Propreneur Podcast. As always, our goal here is to help you become more proactive in your business. Uh, produce more results and definitely make more profit inside of your life and your business. We'll see you on the next ProPreneur Podcast. Thanks so much again for listening to the ProPreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.